Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Groot-Nibblink, and I'll be your host. I've also got my friend Blake here with me. Blake, how are we feeling today? Feeling very good. Yeah, excited about this episode to talk about some hot players, cold players, ads, all that stuff. It's going to be good. Absolutely. I feel like we're starting to get into the swing of things a little bit. Week three, here we come. Um, I'm hoping that uh, week three holds some better things for a couple of my fantasy teams than uh, week two did, but uh, we'll see, I guess. How about just some more predictable things? Can we get something that we predict to start I'd, hitting? I'd be all right with that, yeah, too. That's, yeah, let's do yeah. that. All right. Well, the format here today, pretty straightforward. Blake already alluded to it. We're going to look at some players who've been performing well, some who've been performing poorly, try to make sense of that performance thus far. Blake also pulled a few players who've been added or dropped a lot recently in Yahoo, and we'll talk about whether we kind of agree with those trends there or not. Before we get into those things, I do want to make sure that you check out the Apples and Genos Discord server. We have a thriving community of hundreds of like-minded fantasy managers in there. You can bounce ideas off them, get latest news, get content alerts so you know when we're going live just like we are right now on YouTube. If you're looking for help with those crucial waiver wire pickups each week, you can check out the Patreon where for 5 bucks a month you'll get a weekly article detailing all of the best pickups for the upcoming week, including long-term plays. Both of those links are in the show description. Okay, that's going to do it for the preamble. Let's get into it. Let's do it. The first player I want to talk about is Vladimir Tarasenko. He's been one of my favorites. Um from last year into this year. A lot of people weren't sure what to do with him when he started performing well last year after having two injury-filled seasons prior. Um, but it looks like this season, honestly, he's picking up right where he left off. 10.2 shots per 60, 6 points in 3 games. Uh, he does have the league's highest on-ice shooting percentage. So obviously I think we can anticipate that he's not going to score uh, 164 points this year and keep up that pace. But I do think that Tarasenko is one of these guys who's just always going to be pretty efficient uh, in terms of that on-ice shooting percentage. He's also playing a low amount of minutes, pretty much actually exactly in line with where he was last year. Um, I think Tarasenko is pretty much locked and loaded, ready to do again what he did last year. You got any other opinions on Tarasenko, Blake? Uh, not hugely, but uh, I did listen to a lot of your uh, your your projection shows, um, and I know that you talked about Tarasenko in particular. So I ended up drafting him in a couple leagues, and uh, yeah, um, he's just looked good. And I think uh, obviously a big thing with him has been his injury history. Um, but y- you can't draft players or pick up players because you're you know or not pick them up because you're worried about injury. So um, I've liked what I've seen so far. Um, his deployment's good. I was a little concerned just because you know sounded like he didn't want to be there and you know who, who knows what's going on behind the scenes but he looks locked and loaded ready to go you know obviously that shooting percentage is going to come down uh but i also think his shots uh are going to go up as well right he's only shooting at three shots a game right now and that might be a little low for him um so i think you know uh, uh, maybe one or two more shots per game i think yeah we're looking at a a great player i think there's no reason why he can't do what he did last year for sure was that 82 points he had last year boom yeah. Yeah. I don't think um, there's any question that he can do again what he did last year. It's really been a little bit more of a story of um, just that deployment not being uh, absolutely elite with Tarasenko, where you might right. want to see him take that step into like 90 plus territory and be like a, a true like uh, beginning of the second, maybe even creep into the back end of the first type 
uh, draft pick for you. So I don't think Tarasenko necessarily is going to see that, but for where you are drafting him, even his cost to acquire probably um, in a trade nowadays, like I don't think you're paying that kind of price either. So that was one of the things I liked about Tarasenko too is, yeah, you anticipate that he's going to get 17 and a half minutes a night, but if he ever does get 19 minutes a night, now all of a sudden uh, you're just laughing and you're playing with house money. So that's the story with Tarasenko. We'll move on. Caleb Addison, um, really interesting player. Uh, six assists in five games so far. Just 17 minutes, 32 seconds yep. average time on ice. I was checking out his game log, um, and it is a little bit concerning. He started at 20 minutes, 25 seconds in the first night and hasn't crossed the 18-and-a-half-minute threshold since last game, just 15 minutes, 37 seconds. So that is a little bit concerning overall. He's had a really weird uh, kind of distribution of his shots on goal as well, 0 0 one one through those games so far. And so you do get, uh, you do have that kind of worry. But the interesting part to me is that uh, through all this, they seem really committed to keeping him on the top power play, uh, which is where the money's at in my book. So um, I don't know if he's... Uh, trending towards being the latest Tyson Berry or something like that, uh, where he plays low minutes but plays on a, on a top power play unit that's pretty lethal with Kaprizov there. Uh, and Zuccarello playing out of his mind currently as well. Yeah, um, right where he left off. Crazy stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if you got any other thoughts on Kalen Addison, but uh, that's kind of where I've got him right now. Yeah, I mean, just to echo what you said, uh, yeah, the ice time is concerning for sure. Um, who was that player that New Jersey picked up like – three years ago or four years ago, you know, that defenseman who was like a Hobie Baker winner or like he was, he was highly touted butcher. I think. Uh, you know what I'm talking? Yep. Yeah. Is this going to be that kind of situation? You know what I mean? Cause that right. guy was ultra talented and he got like 15 minutes a game and he's out of the league now, or he's, you know, playing in the AHL somewhere. Like um, that said, I mean, I watched butcher and I've watched some games with Addison and Addison. He's got a high, uh, high, uh, hockey IQ for sure. Like this guy's doing mm -hmm. he, holding the line like really well. It reminds me of like Quinn Hughes or you know just right the the slick moves at the line and obviously a power play specialist at this point. What else can he do? I mean, we don't know at this point, and I don't think we right. will know, you know, in in his limited uh, deployment. So obviously, I'd like to see that go up, but he's worth a flyer for sure. Um, the Wild have been underachieving. You know, their their guns are are all going to start going. Their goalies are going to start playing better. Hopefully. Right. Um, so, yeah, I like Addison a lot. I think he should be on a roster. Yep. Yeah. And again, it's kind of this idea of uh, the what if with Addison, too. Right. Like you see that he's able to put up points on that power play with the limited time on ice. Um, but what happens uh, if there's an injury and he gets promoted up the lineup, he starts to just play better. You know, he's he's a rookie. He's 22 years old trying to play a defense in the National Hockey League for the first time mm -hmm. in his career. So what happens if he starts to settle in? There's a lot of things that can go right here. And I mean, for what you paid to acquire him, like maybe you had a late draft and you kind of picked him up as your last pick of your draft or something, or um, you picked him up for free off the waiver wire to start the season, like for what you paid for Addison, like it's not going to matter if all of a sudden he comes off the power play and you're like, okay, I guess I move on. So um, I'm plenty happy to hang on to Addison as long as he's hanging on to that top power play spot. Yeah, one thing I, I am a little leery of, just of players in general, is when everything you do is based on offense, 
and you're not bringing anything else to the table. Like he's a defenseman. So usually from your defenseman, you're hoping for some perifs, right? You want some hits right. and blocks and you know, he's not really offering that. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, if that offense dries up, yeah, you're, you're looking at a dud. Right. Yeah. But that said, I mean, watching the guy play, you're like, this guy's not a dud. He's, he's slick as hell. So, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe he's like Tony D'Angelo, maybe a little <laughs> Tony D'Angelo for the first three seasons. And, and there you go. Then he start, goes to Philadelphia and plays for torts and plays uh, 30 minutes a night. <laughs> yeah. That could be another one of those situations. Yeah. I think uh, at least at this point, you just kind of got to treat him like, uh, like that Tyson Berry, like that John Klingberg, like that Tory Krug kind of player, right? right? Power play specialist kind of player. Um, certainly I don't expect him to keep up, uh, with six assists in five games. I don't expect him to keep up that kind of pace. Right. Um, but anything close to that. And I think you're probably still happy with Addison, especially in a points league. Maybe if you're in bangers cats, then, um, he really needs to have more time on ice and start to rack up a few more shots and hits and whatnot to really be worth keeping around. Um, but yeah, for the time being, I think you're pretty happy with Addison and you'll hang on to him until you see him come off that power play. Yep, absolutely. Looks like a player. Yeah. Number three, Nico Heischer. Um, I'm actually kind of into Heischer. I said, I think I tweeted it uh, in the preseason that Heischer is just another one of these guys like 60 to 65 points, and we always try to buff him up to be something that he's not, and we should just be thankful for what he is and not right. expect more. Um, but all Heischer's done through the first four games, come out, play 19-12 at night. He's rocking almost 11 shots per 60 ranks 48th in the league in individual scoring chances four per 60 12.5 that's a borderline elite number yep. um so i'm at this point like he's playing well the pucks are going in he's got six points in four games um at this point the devils have a terrific schedule this upcoming week three off nights four games played like he sure is 35 percent rostered on yahoo right now he should absolutely be rostered way more than that um, so I know he's a center only, but you got to find room for Nico Heischer in your lineup if he's out there, because right now he's playing lights out. He's getting all the deployment and, um, the devils have a terrific schedule. It's just a perfect convergence right now for me. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's certainly a no brainer for this week. This man should be on a roster for the week, but this is one of those streamers with benefits for sure. This is someone you can see on your team, you know, moving forward. Right. I like um, that. I, I, yeah, streamers with benefits. There you go. Uh, maybe uh, maybe hang on to him. But uh, yeah, I love I love what I've seen so far. I mean, his shooting percentage is not insane right now, but he's he's almost up. You know, his last season he shot you know two point two shots a game. This season three point five. Right, yep. only only four games, but can he keep it up? Can he keep that shot count up and keep the same efficiency? Like we're you know maybe maybe we can get seventy points. You know what I mean? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for this guy, especially if, you know, I think we've talked already, uh, you know, about New Jersey and how they're, yeah, they're, they're doing the best offensively. They're just not converting, right? Yeah. Their, their chances for are, are well head and shoulders above the rest of the league, but you know, their actual goals for aren't right. So yeah, that's going to, that's going to hit at some point and uh, he's just going to be a part of it. Um, I like what's going on in New Jersey. I think uh, that uh, that's just a team I didn't really have on my radar going into the season here, but I don't know. I, I like what I've seen so far and they got, they got a lot of good pieces there and little pieces that they picked up too, like Palat and then Mercer, you know, playing the way he's playing and mm-hmm. looks pretty good. And big Dougie, Dougie Hamilton. Love that guy. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. Uh, everything devils, all the, all the team level stats that I'm interested in, they're right at the top of the league across all those 
um, both offensively and defensively. So I'm pretty interested in all things Devils. And yeah, with the schedule the way it is this week, absolutely all in on any Devils you can find. So number four, this is kind of a three-piece setup, but it's basically the entire Rangers second line, first line, whatever you want to call it, the Panarin line. So we got Artemi Panarin, Vincent Trocek, and Alexis Lafreniere. Lafreniere is really surprising. We talked about him last week. Um, right now, sitting 28th in the league in individual scoring chances for. He's played six games at this point. He's averaging 16 minutes, 46 seconds per night. That's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, for him to be up there, 13.7 individual scoring chances for is the number. And yeah, that's just a terrific number. Even for a six-game stretch, that's a terrific number for anybody to put up. Um, so it would be one of the most ridiculous leaps of all time if Lafreniere went to that level from where he was last year. Um, right. But at this point, um, with the way he's performing, I'm happy to um, have him in my lineup and see how it goes. I don't know if he's going to be... Uh, so, like, Panarin is this guy, 92% uh, individual points percentage IPP right now, and Lafreniere's sitting there at 43%, so you can kind of see who's got the puck on their stick yeah. most of the time, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Just give <laughs> um, it to Panarin, buddy. Yeah, so I think I think Panarin's a little bit... Uh, I think he's leading the league in points right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um I'm just going to double check that 12 points in six games. Yeah. He's leading the league. So um, obviously he's doing all right for himself and Lafreniere is kind of lagging. So I feel like over the course of the season, you'll kind of see that equalize um, assuming obviously that the line stays together in that. Um, but it does seem like that line has some real chemistry here early in the season. And I don't really see a reason for them to move away from it. Um, as long as they're playing well together, Panarin's getting his points, Trocek's getting his points, Lafreniere's doing his thing and at least being a capable body on that line and generating chances, even if they're not going in, I think they'll probably stick with it. And, uh, I'm interested in Lafreniere. I know he's, uh, above 50% rostered, so he's probably taken in your league, um, but at this point, like I'm, I'm just going by the numbers, man, and the numbers are telling me that Lafreniere is playing at a level he's never played at before. So that's where I'm at on him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you got a player that's drafted first overall, um, you're 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 into him for a little bit longer. You know, in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, you're gonna give him right. maybe some chances. And I love that they moved him up there to that line because when I saw who was the other guy that was on there before he got injured, um, Kravtsov. Yeah, Krabs right. off was. Yeah, yep. so, so they and I, I wasn't too stoked on that. I mean, I know they were trying to keep that kid line together on the third line, but yeah, these guys need opportunity and they need opportunity with elite players like Panarin. So um, I'm happy he's up there. Whenever I think of a line, I always think about because I'm from Vancouver, I always think about the West Coast Express, Naslin, Bertuzzi, and Morrison. And every line has to have a Morrison, you know what I mean? A guy mm -hmm. that gets like you know, 50 points or something, right. 50, 55 points. Well, the other guys just go bananas. Right. Yep. And I think he, he's probably, if, if he's the Morrison on that line for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's not going to, at least points wise, he's not going to blow the doors down, but uh, you know, we, we did talk about his peripherals, uh, very decent for forward. I mean, over hit a game, right. You yep. got to like that. And yeah, he's getting some PP two time. Uh, but my big guy on that line is Vinny Tro. Oh, I've been yelling about this guy for a long time. I couldn't believe where he was being drafted. Mm -hmm. It made no sense. Like even in it, category lead, it made no sense. Points league, it made no sense. Um, you could get him like around 150 at sometimes. You know what I mean? I don't remember what it was, but like I, I have him on four of my teams because no one was picking him up. And he's playing with Panarin and he's playing on the top power play on a lethal power play. Like, yep. and he hits 
you know? Yeah. So I, <laughs> but Trocek is a slam dunk to me. Again, another player that I think 70 point potential again this year, um, tons, you know, over 20 power play points, probably a hundred hits. I mean, that's, that's the kind of guy you want on your team. So, and then yeah. Panarin's just, just a beauty. I, I like seeing him succeed. I, I read, I saw an interview with Panarin, um, in the preseason, just saying how he wants to, he wants to do more, not just be offensive. He wants to, you know, he wants to be responsible defensively. He wants to be relied on in more situations. And I, I don't know. Uh, I, I like what I've seen so far from Panarin. He seems like he's, he's just really taking the lead on that team. So mm-hmm. I like yeah, it. Worth noting on Trocheck, I didn't realize this uh, when I started talking, but 20 minutes, 41 seconds, average time on ice through six games. It's just bonkers. Yeah, that's like, the other thing. Yeah, I mean, he's way up in minutes. I mean, yeah. And even at those stuff. minutes, he's still top 50 in individual scoring chances for. So he's doing all the things, getting all the deployments. Definitely the juice is worth the squeeze there. He's the type right. of guy that I like to get on a team because he he plays in every situation. You know, he reminds mm-hmm. me of Bar- Barkov in a way, like like right. a Barkov light, you know, gets out, t- power play one, shorthanded, last minute of the game. This is the guy that's out on the ice. So if he's available in your league, which he's still available in some, it's insane. Yeah. Um, I think he's like 70% rostered. Like what what kind of league are you not yeah. drafting Vinny Trocek? I don't understand. All right, let's get into the next one. Martin Nietzsche's. Yep. Um, this is an interesting one. So obviously he's had a real hot start here. Seven points in five games. Last game, he oddly got some power play one or one A deployment. The Carolina Hurricanes were doing some real funky things with their top power play unit. Um, It looks like Stefan Nason was up on the top power play with Aho, Svechnikov, and Nietzsche. I don't know what that's about. Um, But yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting situation (laughs) there in Carolina and what they're doing with it. I don't know if that'll stick around, uh, what you should really predict there, I guess, going forward. Maybe just uh, build in a chance that there's a little more um, 1A, 1B in that power play than perhaps we thought. Um, on On the season, he's averaging 19 minutes, 44 seconds time on ice. He does play on the penalty kill, so, you know, you take that kind of away from what you expect from his offensive output, but still, uh, that's really nice. 25% shooting percentage, and the one thing with Nietzsche that really has me hesitating is the fact that the shots per 60 and the individual scoring chances for per 60, while they're, like, solid, I guess you would say, they're not anywhere near, like, seven points in five games levels. Um, he's He ranks 160th for context in individual scoring chances for right below Calvin DeHaan, who's a defenseman also on the Carolina Hurricanes. That's interesting. Uh, So it's, I'm not saying that he's bad. Like Johnny Goudreau is the next guy on the list. So like there's, it's early in the season. There's going to be a lot of variance in these numbers. You don't have to read into every single number uh, to the nth degree. But at the same time, uh, you do want to see, if if you're calling this a breakout, you do want to see it supported by the underlying numbers, right? so yeah, I do love the deployment. We got a comment here from Eric saying he's got he had twenty three and a half minutes yesterday, increasing the nice time of the game. Absolutely, yeah. Like he's definitely being deployed in a way that very few Carolina forwards are being deployed. Um, like even historically through Rod Brindamore, he's always kind of kept uh, even his top players kept their minutes uh, kind of reduced and rolled three four lines a lot of the time. Um, but with Nietzsche, I'm. It might be a situation where if he's not getting the volume, 
Uh, I don't think he's going to like provide the points that you really want out of him. So if that volume goes away, then that's the point where you move on from Nietzsche. While he's getting this ridiculous amount of ice time, I'm happy to ride with him. How about you, Blake? Yeah, he's on a heater. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I didn't notice that. 23, that is very strange for Rod Brindamore because that's something about just Carolina players in general that I I sort of, I, I've stayed away from the Canes like when I'm drafting just because of that. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really ride them the way that I think, yeah, a player's need to have that deployment, right? I love when I see forwards over 20 minutes, but he's not doing it a lot. And, and other players on the on the Canes, like Svechnikov, are players that I, I stayed away from because of their deployment. So this is a surprise for sure. Um, but, and I think it's the obviously the main reason why he's doing so well. Like you look at uh, compared to last year, his shots are up. Um, you know, he's shooting 25% right now where last year he shot 8.8%. All right. So we, I'm sure we can expect a regression, but double the power play time, basically three minutes, uh, average on ice and then almost th over three minutes more on ice. So of course he's going to be doing better. Um, but yeah, I, I, I am a little bit wary of this as well. Like, I think I like the way it's trending, especially with 23 minutes in the last game, right? He didn't get any points, you know? So I don't know. I always I thought uh, leading into the season, I was like Jarvis. Jarvis is the guy that mm -hmm. if you're gonna go on the Canes, let's take a look at Jarvis, not Natchez. So mm -hmm. um, I'm happy for the for the kid. I mean, it's you know he's a young guy and he's getting some good deployment. I hope it sticks. But uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know if the Canes have a good schedule. He's he he's on my roster for sure. But yeah, I don't know. I might be looking somewhere else, somewhere a little bit more that I feel a bit more safe. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a fair point. Um... I think for me, it's it's really an upside versus floor kind of case with Jarvis versus Nietzsche. Um, Jarvis, like once again this year, even though he's getting obviously not those kind of minutes, 16 minutes a night so far. Um, but again, he's 10.5 individual scoring chances, four per 60. Uh, last year, he showed us much of the same. That's why I thought he could be a breakout and why pretty much everybody thought he could be a breakout this year. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely think that uh, Jarvis has the most upside of um, basically almost any of the guys outside of maybe Aho and Svechnikov in Carolina. Yep. Um, but if Nietzsche is going to get like 20 minutes a night, then he's just going to volume his way to better stats than Jarvis, right? Um, yep. So it's it's kind of weighing the upside of you know the what if with Jarvis if he does uh, work his way into more ice time versus the floor that you're getting with Nietzsche just based on that deployment. So. Um, yeah, I think you can ride with Nietzsche while he's hot and while he's getting this uh, deployment, but you do want to be careful and watch it because uh, Brindamore does like to shake those lines around a fair bit. And if Nietzsche does fall out of out of favor there, then uh, I think his uh, utility for fantasy will definitely go away pretty quick. For sure. All right, next guy, Rasmus Dahlin. Five goals in five games. Apparently, this is a record for defensemen. I think I saw that flash across my screen while I was watching hockey last night. Um, but yeah, five goals in the first five games as a defenseman uh, for Buffalo. Now, obviously, this comes with some pretty inflated numbers. 18.8% on-ice shooting percentage, 28% uh, individual shooting yeah, percentage. Obscene. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously there's some unsustainability when a defenseman goes off for five goals in five straight games, but 
At the same time, Dalin is top 10 in shots per 60 among all defensemen. And he's doing that at 24 minutes and 26 seconds average time on ice. So he's got the volume in terms of the time on ice, and he's got the volume in terms of the shots per 60. And he's just cranking it out right now. Um, So it's hard not to get excited about that. It's something that I definitely didn't have built into my projections for where I thought Dalene would be, because Dalene, like, historically has never uh, been a shot-producing defenseman. Um, He's gotten to decent totals by virtue of volume. Um, but he's never been someone who on a permanent basis is an elite shot producer. So now that he's trending that way, and I don't know if it's a conscious decision on his part, if it's just, you know, it's been five games and things are breaking his way to walk into those situations to get those shots. Um, it could be in any number of things, five games into a season. Um, but definitely it's piqued my interest. Um, and I think that definitely if he can continue, continue to keep that up his ceiling is way way higher uh, than anything i would have seen i think i had him projected for around 50 points uh, probably between 50 and 55 if my memory serves um but definitely if he's going to shoot at this level then he could be looking at a 15 goal season and that ups him by you know seven to eight points just on that basis alone and then you build in the chances that he's generating off of that and you know maybe he falls into five more assists and suddenly you're talking about a guy who could push 70 points as a defenseman rather than 55 um so that's obviously very exciting for Darlene. I do think Buffalo um, in some ways has been a little unsustainable. Um, so build that in a little bit as well. I don't think uh, in the end you should go nuts over Darlene and say like, uh, this is absolutely a huge breakout season and he's going to be the next Makar and do all these things. Um, but I would, I have to say that Darlene has changed uh, my initial impression of him for this year and I'll be watching to see if he can keep it up. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, he's just how he looks on the ice. Like he's, he's making moves, you know, he's creating offense, Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously bearing his chances and, you know, upping his shots by like one and a half shots per game so far. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. What, what do you think about Buffalo? Do you think that they can make the playoffs even? Do you think like, because in my mind, Lee coming up to the season, I'm like, no, Buffalo bottom dweller, they're tanking for Bedard, right? Mm-hmm. but doesn't look like that's the case. Like they actually look pretty fluid out there and this guy is driving the, the bus. Yeah. I think they're an okay team. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs in the end when it's all said and done. Still think they got a few pieces away. They have no, they have no truly elite uh, kind of goal scorers or producers. Like, um, you know, maybe Tage Thompson turns into a consistent 40 goal guy at his peak. Uh, that's, within his range of outcomes. I know he's had a slow start, but I still think that's a possibility. We know what Jeff Skinner is, um, a top-line goal scorer, doesn't play defense. Um, he's kind of that guy. Um, but Buffalo as a whole, still not impressing me in terms of their ability to control play. You know, on the season, they're 24th in the league in Corsi 4 percentage. Um, it's it's kind of feels like they are who we thought they were only the win total is a little different than we thought it would be uh, through five games here. So um, I don't think Buffalo's uh, really going to keep that up. I think they've been outperforming a little bit in the early going. I think uh, Eric Comrie has played really well, which has helped them outperform uh, in some of those situations. Um, But yeah, overall I just, I'm, I would say I'm cautiously pessimistic. <laughs> yeah. If, if you drafted Darlene, I mean, you're loving it, right? The thing is he's drafted or he's rostered on, he should be rostered on every 
team, right? So it's yep. not like you're going to pick him up, you know, and right now, because he's so hot, you couldn't get him in a trade. Like you'd have to give, you, you'd lose all value there, right? So yeah. Um, I don't know. It just depends if you think that Dalin is going to continue this up because maybe, I don't know, like where, where was he drafted? I'm trying to think like probably he was in the top. Yeah. He's probably seven, around 70. sixth round in it's most places. Six, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, maybe see if you can flip him for somebody, flip him for somebody who's underachieving, underachieving defenseman. Cause I, I don't see this continuing. I mean, how no. could it, um, yeah. Uh, it just doesn't make sense, but um, I love to see it though, because first off, he's a beauty player. And uh, another nice thing about Darlene is he gives you those peripherals that you want from yeah. your top defenseman. He's going to, he's going to give you over hundred hits, over hundred blocks guaranteed unless he gets injured right now. Plus yeah. maybe 60 points, yeah. you know, geez, that's a beauty. Yeah. yeah the path for Darlene is really through that shot production, that extra like himself influencing the play enough where he's the one generating those shots and those uh, scoring chances himself and not just distributing to get those because I don't think the quality of his team is high enough right. for that to happen. So if he can personally elevate his play uh, beyond where he's been in his career and generate those shots, that's when you start to see the possibility for a higher ceiling. Uh, one more point on Buffalo. They are third in the league currently in shooting percentage. Um, and they're second in the league in save percentage. So um, not to say that that's uh, impossible regression. to continue, but yeah, you expect to see some regression. That's not where anybody thought Buffalo would be. I don't think that's where Buffalo thought they would be at this point. Um, so yeah, I think there's a, there's a little bit of unsustainability going on there. Yeah, lower your expectations, everybody. That balloon's about to pop. Yeah. Well, while we're here, let's talk about Eric Comrie because he is someone who I've been asked continually about, obviously a good zero-G option. Um, I am into Comrie just based on the fact that he got three straight starts. Uh, looks like a volume play at the very least. Um, and yeah, with some of the other zero-G guys that I thought would be um, interesting options, like Philippe Grubauer, for example, um, kind of not panning out the way that we had thought. Uh, I am definitely uh, leaving the door open for Comrie. I went out and acquired him in one spot where I did need a goalie. Uh, I'd kind of streamed some goalies in and out. Um, one of them, one of my drafted goalies was Vanacek, for instance, um, and Blackwood took over that net, and so Vanacek was gone. Um, and I switched him out for Comrie. Um, so I did take over Comrie there, even though it was like my fourth out of the week, and I could have used that ad. Um, I thought it was worth it in that case to uh, establish with a guy who's both playing well and seeing volume. And that's really what I look for, um, is someone who's getting hot and seeing volume at the same time. Um, and it's usually, honestly, does come from these uh, teams that people don't expect them to come from. Uh, and that's where these guys end up helping me. Last year, uh, in the middle of the season, a lot of it was James Reimer and Jonathan Quick. And then we all saw what Anton Forsberg did at the end of last year. So yes. that's actually where I think you can find these guys for 0G. And I'm definitely not ruling out the possibility that Comrie is that guy this year. Um so I'm interested in Comrie. Like I said, I think the Sabres are due for some regression. I don't think they're this team exactly. But I do think, like, overall the Sabres as a team could take a step. Like, it could well be that they're just not playing that well currently. They're getting a little lucky, and, you know, they're ahead in games, so they're playing a little more defensively, so they're getting a little bit caved in in some cases um, by, the, like, the possession metrics that we look at. Um, there's a lot of things that can... Uh, kind of skew a five game sample size like this yeah and so i'm not leaving uh i'm not uh totally throwing out the sabers and saying that they couldn't be even like a middle 
a middle 10 team in the league kind of thing, right? Uh, where they're um, just okay and out, just outside the playoff sphere. And in that case, if Comrie does continue to play well, then he's an absolute steal uh, off your waiver wire. And he's going to be like a, you know, probably a mid-range goalie two when it's all said and done, when you're looking at your fantasy ranks at the end of the season. So um, definitely interested in Comrie, at least as long as he's getting this kind of volume. Yeah, um, absolutely. I agree with all of that. Um, it's nice when a, a murky goaltending situation clears itself up, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I th- to be honest, this is the first year I've ever used zero G and it's <laughs> stressful as hell, but <laughs> you've got guys like Eric Comrie down there and Blackwood and even uh, Samsonov was was available in some of my leagues, right? I mean, there are, there are guys out there that are, you know, at this point you're looking for volume starters, right? Um you know, and, and like you said, he's, he's playing very well. Buffalo is overachieving for sure and probably due for some regression, but I don't know. Sometimes I think too, like if this guy's playing so well, maybe they win the games he's in and they lose the games that Anderson's in, you know what I mean? And that kind of equals it out. But I like yep. the point you made too about, yeah, if you get up early, um, you, you play different, you know what I mean? It's yep. just human nature. Right. So, and that's hard to, you know, kind of extrapolate from the statistics. Right. So who knows what's happening? Although I, I just know that they, beat the hell out of the Canucks the other night. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what is going on? Um, uh, but yeah, it's just, I, I, I like it. I like Comrie. I think it's a smart pickup at this point. You're getting ahead of it before, you know, it kind of really takes off. I think, I think he has a good chance of, of doing something. Uh, the one thing with Comrie and guys like Blackwood too, when goalie situations do clear themselves up, they don't turn into workhorse goalies. You know what I mean? Like hmm. you're not going to get like a Hellebuck or like a Soros or like a Vasilevsky type level of volume. You're going to get like a 60, 40, right? That's just my kind of experience with it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, take that for what it is. Right. But you know, if you're getting good starts and good volume, what more do you want? Yep. Yeah. I do think it's, it's worth dwelling on that topic for a second, because I do think that um, especially in the last I don't know, year or two, we've seen that goalies really, it's almost impossible for a goalie to sustain a high level of play for an entire season uh, when they're getting a full workload. So I do think that you should Hmm. tend to think of goalies um, outside of a season-long rank, and you should tend to think of goalies more as, uh, what can I get out of this guy for the next month or the next two months? Uh, segments kind of yeah almost like that and i do think that's a better way to think about the position to keep your your thoughts about the goalies that you're rostering very fluid and be open to them um yeah your entire situation just changing on a uh, early in the season on a day-by-day basis uh, later on in the season um, more on a you know week-by-week basis but um yeah, I think it's I think it's worth uh, just kind of trying to mentally reframe the conversation about what you're expecting from your goalies, um, mm-hmm. and realizing that it's very difficult for any goalie not named Andre Vasilevsky to perform at a high level uh, for an entire season. Like even even Shesterkin last year, he only had 53 starts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so for him to maintain that high level of play, it was only across 53 starts. He didn't get that kind of insane 60 plus start workload that some of these other guys got. Um, it's just so, so hard uh, to maintain that level of play uh, for a full season uh, if you're getting that kind of volume. So um, just kind of uh, something that I've done for myself is to, yeah, really break up the season and to really think about what's this guy giving me now and 
what's the what's the uh, kind of pull the parachute on this guy? What's that look mm-hmm. like? You know, is it two games uh, where he's uh, not playing too well? Is it um, you know the first time his backup looks really good and you might think that he's going to get more of a split? Uh, moving forward, whatever that is, just kind of mentally preparing yourself for, um, yeah, when you're ready to move on to the next option. Yeah, and the, and that's so much easier when you don't spend the draft capital on that goalie early, right? Absolutely. Because yeah, uh, that makes total sense. I like that. These are these are zero G pro tips from the master. Right here. <laughs> all right, so make sure you take take notes. All right, that's a good way to think of it. Uh, that's a really good way to think of it because. You know, I think it's very natural when you draft goalies, you're, you're setting it and forgetting it. You're like, okay, I'm good. I got UC Soros, right? Yeah. I'm good. Like, or hell even, no, you're not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even when you get someone like Comrie and say Comrie has a month here where he just goes bananas and is like a 930 save percentage. Like a lot of people did this with Jack Campbell last year where he was good for two months and then they just kept playing Campbell even when he was truly awful for like the last three months of the season yeah. got injured came back was still awful and people just rode their seasons into the ground hoping for old jack campbell to come back and he never did so uh yeah it's one more one more reason to just think about your goalies a little differently and to not get too hung up on whoever the hotness is this year whoever has the hot start this year whoever the hot zero g pickup is for october it's not going to be the same guy in november it's not going to be the same guy in december uh, just to keep that very fluid mentally for yourself. I like it. It's good advice. All right. Let's move on to some guys who are performing somewhat poorly in the early going. I'm going to lump these first three all together because I think they're very similar in my mind. That's going to be Jordan Cairo, Timo Meyer, and Sam Reinhardt. All three of these guys, so Kairou only has one goal. Myers just been incredibly snake-bitten. Uh, we were bemoaning that fact for both of ourselves and different teams that we have uh, before we got on air here. And Sam Reinhardt has just completely unable to find the net for some reason as well. Uh, all these guys, like Kairou, third in the league right now. I know it's only three games, but third in the league in individual scoring chances, four per 60. Through those three games, uh, I have absolutely no worries about Kairou. The interesting thing with Kairou right now, getting 19 minutes, 27 seconds average time on ice. If that keeps up, Kairou could be legitimately in line for a 80, 90 point pace the rest of the season. I don't think that's out of the question. This is still an ascending player in my mind. I don't think we've necessarily seen his ceiling. We may mm-hmm. have, but it's uh, entirely possible that we haven't. So I'm um, very high on Kairou, uh, despite only having one goal through those first three games. Timo Meyer. um, 22nd in the league in individual scoring chances, four per 60. He's getting his 19 minutes a night. Um, nothing about Meyer's profile has changed for me. Uh, looks exactly like the same player that dominated uh, for pretty much all of last year. So I have pretty much no concerns long-term about uh, Timo Meyer. but like we were saying, it's just like, okay, this is the game where he's going to pop off. Okay, this is the game where he's going to pop off, and we're just this waiting one. for it to happen. But uh, yeah, in terms of the in terms of the underlying stats, everything's still A-OK with Timo Meyer, And then Sam Reinhardt, uh, this is a guy, he's averaging 21 minutes, 48 seconds per game. That was a stat that just absolutely blown my mind uh, yep. when I read that. So he's getting an absolute crap ton of time on ice, and he's got 12.4 individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. That's a really terrific number. Playing on the top line with Barkov. Everything's coming up, Sam Reinhardt, except on the score sheet. Uh, I think he's only got the one assist so far in six games. So, I mean, I'd go out and acquire Sam Reinhardt, absolutely, uh, if I could 
uh, on the cheap right now. Uh, maybe you can get that done somewhere, but if you can get it done, let me know and let me know what you paid for it because I want to send out some deals myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, as I've gotten more into fantasy, I get more excited about buy lows, right? Because mm -hmm. um, I used, you know, the, the funny thing is I have all the buy lows on my team, so so I'm very excited. <laughs> But uh, usually, yeah, like when you see a player, especially, yeah, like all these players that you've mentioned, Kairou is a bit different to me because the, I, I find the Blues are hard to assess right now just after three games. Sure. Like he could have a four-point night the next game and then we're right we're right back in business. I, I totally agree with you about Kairou. I think he's going to blast off this year. I think he's going to have a great season offensively. Um, but yeah, Meyer and Reinhardt. Reinhardt especially. I, I was looking into him a little bit. Um, yeah, he, he's... he's uh, over uh, he, he's uh, his season last year. So 82 points in 78 games. Great season. Everybody on Florida played well. Um, you know, we got a new coach there, right? It's there's, there's some, some settling that needs to happen. But mm -hmm. as you said, the ice time, what the hell? Like he's almost playing 22 minutes a night average. He's shooting three, uh, three shots a game. you know, and last season he shot 2.4. Um, he's one thing I noticed about Reinhardt is he's a very efficient shooter. He's not a volume shooter. Right. He's an efficient shooter. And so you know, he's shooting 0% right now. Like, do you yeah. think Reinhardt is going to keep shooting 0%? No. Right. He, the, with his deployment, uh, and like, it, it's going to take off, he's going to hit and he's going to hit hard. Right. So yeah. Reinhardt is, is a guy you want to go out and get ASAP. S see, see if you can get Reinhardt, go, go find a fantasy GM, see if he's getting squirrely and just mm -hmm. start making offers. Right. Who, you know, look for players like two rounds lower, you know, Reinhardt, what was he like 63 overall or something like, mm -hmm. you know, See if you got a, a, you know, like a player that's lighting it up, you know what I mean? And, and just see if you can, you know, go pick up Reinhardt because he's going to blast off, I think. And then Meyer, yeah, just a frustrating. I've got him on a, on a league that I really do care about, a money league. And uh, yeah, he's <laughs> he's not doing what I drafted him to do. But, you know, I, I have some faith. Th those are obviously holds. Those are buy lows. Those are players you want to try and target in trades if possible. Yep, totally agree. Um Next couple guys lumped together as well. Guys that I've been talking about for a long time, but it's worth repeating because <laughs> uh, I just think it's kind of hilarious at this point. We got Oliver Wallstrom and Arthur Kaliev. Um, so Wallstrom right now ranks 12th in the league in individual scoring chances 4 per 60. Kaliev ranks 14th in the league in individual scoring chances 4 per 60. Um, I I'm just praying that someday some coach will be like, hmm, you know what? Maybe this guy who generates chances at an obscene rate, we should give him some ice time and just see if he can be a goal scorer for us because that's absolutely what these two guys will be when they do get that that chance. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what I can really say about these two guys that I haven't already said the million yep. times in articles or podcasts here or there, um, but both of these guys, like, the profile, it's its not that, I want to be pretty clear about this because there is a reason that I keep bringing these guys up. It's not that these profiles are of players who like, oh yeah, if he got a bunch of ice time, you know, he could be like a 20, 25 goal scorer and that'd be pretty cool. It No, if, if these guys got up to like 18, 19 minutes of ice, like these are potential like 35, 40 goal scorers that we're looking at. Um, so that's why I'm so excited about these guys. I know like you can't project, it's not going to be a one-to-one. -one. They're not going to keep up this obscene rate. You even at, you know, 19 minutes going up from 10 and a half minutes for Kaliev, it's not going to be a one-to-one -one translation all the way up. Um, but even if he shaved off a 
you would have to lose a lot off that for him not to be an exciting fantasy asset if he did get that uh, that amount of time on ice. So really, it's just uh, continue to wait and see with these guys. I know Wallstrom did get a quick look on a, on a line with Lee and Nelson, I think it was, uh, last week, and that seemed like he got bumped off that right away again. Um, so that was exciting in the one moment while it happened, um, but we'll see. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it looks like actually in the game today, he was back on the Lee and Nelson line. Um, so we'll see if that continues. Um, I obviously I'd love to see him on the top power play as well. Um, there's just so much potential here. That's why I keep bringing these guys up. It's mm-hmm. not because the numbers are good. It's because the numbers are phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you like to be just a coach for one day for one of these teams and just, just, <laughs> jack this guy's minutes up to like 20 minutes like just go out there and do whatever um because it's there's an obvious difference between fantasy hockey and real hockey and Mm -hmm. i don't know what it is i'm not there like but why when you have these underlying stats and you watch the games too like uh oliver wallstrom in particular i watched a little bit of his game the guy's good he's really good so what is it that's holding him back from holding them back like is there politics involved like is there something with the coach like and it's funny because those players are very similar, aren't they? Like mm-hmm. it's, I, I, I would love to see, I mean, hopefully it comes soon. I mean, he, they're both still young, right? Like what is Wallstrom? Wallstrom's 22. What is Kaliev? Like 23 or 22? Yeah, about the same. I think you might even be younger to be honest. So, I mean, these guys, they, they kind of profile to me the sort of the way Svechnikov did Andre Svechnikov mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Carolina, like in a way, but, but his minutes went up a lot quicker. Right. But, um, these guys have both been in the league for a little while um, with not a lot of opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I don't think this is going to be the year, unfortunately, for these guys. But, I mean, certainly if uh, the Islanders or the Kings have a good schedule, these guys are are premium streamers. Like, you mm-hmm. you get them in, right? Um, because, the, like, all they don't need much. Yeah. Like, these guys, they're doing decent stuff in the minutes they have. Yeah. So what if they get 15 minutes each, which is third-line minutes? You know, mm-hmm. what, what happens then? You know, are we looking at 20 goals, 25 goals each, maybe 40 points? I don't know. Yeah. That's not terrible for a streamer for sure. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Kelly of is 21. Just confirm that. And it looks like Wallstrom was on that line. Didn't walk into any points. Anders Lee had a couple of goals, but uh, both on the power play. So wow. uh, Wallstrom didn't factor in there, but yeah, just two guys to keep continuing to watch, continue to monitor the lines uh, with the Islanders and the Kings and just see if uh, if things happen to go their way, um, then I'm going to be all about it every time. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, Andre Kuzmenko, we got to talk about the Canucks. Uh, I know we don't have to talk about the team as a whole if uh, you don't want to relive any trauma here on the podcast. But uh, we do got to talk about Kuzmenko. Uh, I saw he was down to, I think it was 29% rostered in Yahoo. Yeah. Um, still on the top power play. Um, right now rocking a 50% IPP, 5.3% shooting percentage. But he's 15th in the league in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. Like... Uh, he's still doing the thing in terms of generating chances. It's just those chances haven't been going in. And it seems like after uh, the first couple games, everybody got excited and then maybe they hopped off the wagon. Uh, but I'm still on Kuzmenko. How are you feeling about him? Yeah, I do not understand the drop. Like I've got him in on a couple teams and, you know, on Yahoo where you get roster alerts and it says, you know, 1,200, 1200 people have dropped Kuzmenko. And then you're like, mm-hmm. 
do I need to drop Kuzmenko? <laughs> I, like, you know, no, you don't need to drop Kuzmenko. You need to hold Kuzmenko. Okay, because uh, exactly the things you just said, but also in, in this last game, I mean, his, his minutes were up too. He played uh, 18 and a half minutes, which is nice to see. And his line was the Canucks best line, right? He's with uh, Pedersen and Pod Colson, I think, you know, and the problem with that line is Kuzmenko and Pod Colson. They, they, they're not burying their chances, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Pedersen is, is looking really good, um, but it, it's going to come, you know, the Canucks right now are a dumpster fire. They, they you know, it's just a bad time right now, but you know, like anything, they're going to get through it and something will happen. You know, they'll either work themselves out of it or they'll do make some wholesale changes and, and whatever. Right. But Kuzmenko's solid. Like you, like you said, his numbers are still good. He, I don't think Besser is going to replace him on the, on the power play because Besser hasn't looked good either. So, mm -hmm. you know, Kuzmenko is, uh, we talked about it before. He's more dynamic. I don't understand the drop. I think you need to hold Kuzmenko. Um, Kuzmenko's most likely better than the worst player on your fantasy roster. So take a look at that, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's going to pop off, you know, soon. I think he's good for 60 points this year. Yep. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably a fair assessment. I'd like to see the Canucks get away from this whole three centers thing that they've been running mm -hmm. and kind of really load up that top six um, to really kind of maximize the fantasy potential, obviously. I think that'd be pretty sweet. But as long as Kuzmenko's on that top power play, I'm going to be all about it. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's just a matter of time before that starts to click. I know it's everything, uh, it's very easy, especially when it's the first few games of the season and everything's under a microscope for yeah. uh, that seemed to, it to feel like the world is falling. And uh, sometimes that can take longer to snap out of than others, but uh, it would be pretty shocking if that just continued all season long i, I yeah. don't think that's a realistic outcome for the canucks um, they're not playing well by any means that i track on a team-wide basis but they're not like they're not like chicago bad or anything like that either so uh, i do think that uh, there will be some brighter days ahead and for kuzmenko especially thank you that's nice of you to say <laughs> appreciate uh, that last guy i want to talk about in terms of performing poorly is uc saros um so Nashville, two, four, and one on the season. They obviously have not been playing terrific. They are doing uh, like pretty well in terms of most of their um, advanced stats. At five v five, they're eighth in the league in Corsi four. You know, it's not it's not anything uh, in the underlying statistics that I'm seeing that's like, oh, this is this is really terrible. They're playing terrible. They're thirteenth in the league in Corsi again. So it's not like they're kind of middle of the pack there. Uh, it's not like they're uh, hanging Saros out to dry, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. um, but Saros has definitely not been living up to yeah. um, his draft potential. And, you know, I could do a, a zero G victory lap here, but I'm curious your thoughts on Saros. I believe you said you had him in one league. Oh yeah. Not just one. All right. I drafted okay. <laughs> him. I had, I, I won two leagues last year and Saros was my goalie for those two leagues that I did. So I just like Saros. will get you. Yeah. I'm comfortable with him and I got him at value. I feel I got him at value because this year in a lot of my leagues, I was fading goalies as much as I could. But if Saros is there in like the fourth round or something, I was like, uh, I, I have to do that. Right. And that's where I'm sort of evolving because I, I do, subscribe to the zero G a lot more than I used to. And this was a good year to do zero G I think um, because yeah, if you, if you miss it on Saros, you could still get so many other good goalies, right? There, there's, but I don't know to me. Yes. It was definite sentiment. I've got them on some, some teams and it's just, I don't know what it is. Like I think Nashville, they overachieved so much last year and for a long period of time. And 
everything. So Soros, one of the league's best goalies, right? Their power play was one of the league's best power plays. Look at Philip Forsberg. Look at Matthew Shane. All these guys, you know, they they had amazing years. And maybe it, it was just they were just able to sustain that for a season but it's still not who they are. You know what I mean? Mm. And maybe there's a bit of a letdown here. And this is more in line with what they are. Cause you look at the play. It's not just Soros on that team. Like Roman Yossi has one point in six games. You know, you drafted him in 20th overall, probably, yep. you know, or earlier. So yep. um, yeah, there, there's, it's, it's just not looking good in Nashville right now. I, I, I do think they're, they're underachieving obviously. So it's going to come up a bit. How much I, I'm not sure. Right. And now just, it's it has been you know what is it, six games for them so yeah it's it's i don't know how i feel about it but <laughs> i'm not dropping sorrows but you know in my mind i'm starting to think zero g a little bit more so i'm like maybe i drop sorrows like maybe i drop sorrows <laughs> and pick up whatever mackenzie blackwood or something like i'm not there yet but mm-hmm. you know those things are going on in my mind because i'm not going to be handcuffed to a guy that's just playing like shit you know what yeah. i mean yeah so yeah, I think I think there are probably better days ahead for Saros. I think he's yeah. got enough of a body of work uh, behind him at this point that we can feel reasonably confident that he's going to play better at some point. Um, but I do think it's it's pretty valid what you're saying as well that maybe Nashville isn't the team that we saw last year. I think uh, a lot of people have driven that home on the offensive side, but maybe it's also mm-hmm. true on the defensive side. Um, obviously, those two things kind of go hand in hand, right? It's pretty hard to be letting in goals when you're pumping the other team's net full of goals. So, That's right. um, I think there's something to something to that. The early returns, Nashville, like I was saying, has been kind of a middle of the road defensive team. Um, maybe they get better, maybe they get worse from here. Um, but definitely, I think uh, Saros, his early struggles. I mean, Shesterkin has a 901 save percentage yeah. uh, early in the season here. Uh, just kind of drives home that for short stretches like this, uh, it's not worth it, <laughs> in my opinion. You're loving like, this, aren't you? You're loving you're, it. You're losing matchups because of guys that you drafted in the first round. Where if you had just gone ahead and drafted somebody who has a has a really solid uh, floor and ceiling uh, in that first round, mm-hmm. you'd you'd probably be a lot happier with yourself at this point. That being said, you know, uh, my couple team was Roman Yossi in the first round, Timo Meyer in the second, Gabriel Landeskog in right. the third, yeah, and Nikolai yeah. Ehlers in the fourth. So, <laughs> oh, damn, Ehlers uh, too. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I'm going to win my matchup this week, uh, but uh, the overall outlook has uh, not been terrific. I can say that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can only go up from there, right? And you're going to get Landy back. That Landis Cog coming back will be nice. But yeah, that's yeah. A, there's a bit of a mystery around that too, right? Like he's no timeline. For sure. I think we've got a timeline now. I think I heard 12 weeks. Oh, right. Uh, 12 weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah I remember so that scene now. It's a long timeline, but it is a timeline at least. So You'll survive. Hopefully he's, hopefully he's able to come back full strength around that time. And uh, yeah, I can hopefully piece things together in the meantime. But uh, that's yeah. all we're going to talk about there for the performing poorly section, the cold streaks. Why don't we talk about some of these transactions that you brought for us? Who's the first guy? Yeah, of course. Uh, so the first one I just wanted to highlight was Kevin Hayes. He's the most added guy today anyway. And I guess um, the only reason that he he was added as much as he was is because um, of the game they had tonight against San Jose. Uh, he didn't play very well in that game. So um, he's 25% rostered. Uh, Kevin Hayes. Um, I think I mentioned him in our last podcast that uh, he was three three percent rostered at one point, and I was one of the three percent. So he's obviously <laughs> gone up a lot, right? Uh, you know, because Philly had a great schedule last week, and 
you know, Hayes himself has played very well. He's got, uh, you know, one goal and seven assists in eight games. Pretty good. I don't, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Right? Eight points. Yeah. In yeah. Eight six points. Six games now though, right? Six games. Yeah. So you yeah, nothing tonight, yeah. but, um, yeah, for me, the, the ad doesn't make a lot of sense. Like if you're thinking long-term, right? Like sure. I, I think people must've just added him for the one game, but, um, that being said, I don't like, I don't like adding players for just one game. You you have to think about streaming a little more strategically than that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, it's Sunday. So you, you know, every, every throw everything out the window. Like if you need to win, you need points or assists, whatever you, you get haze, but, but that many people, he's the top ad in Yahoo. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I think you go ahead. Yeah. No, I think you're right on it. Um, yeah. I think Philly in general has been running a bit like just insanely hot. Uh, I was looking at some of these stats there towards the bottom of the league in literally every metric offensive, defensive, you name it. Uh, they have just an absolutely insane save percentage. I guess Carter Hart's just been playing out of his mind. Yeah. They're fifth in the league in save percentage uh, so far. Sheesh. Uh, which is pretty remarkable for a team like that. But yeah, they're just getting caved in all over the ice. Uh, I think they are probably who we thought they were. They're just kind of getting a little bit lucky right now. Um, So Hayes in particular, like I don't mind it uh, because he is getting a ton of minutes as the kind of de facto uh, top line center there. Um, But yeah, in terms of hanging on to him, um, it would have to be on a, on a week where they're, their scheduling yeah. is just really good because I don't think Hayes is much more than, yeah, like that 3% rostered guy. Um, so depending on the depth of your league, um, yeah, you could go with yeah. Hayes, but there's probably better options. A lot better options, yeah, for sure. And so if you did pick up Hayes, he, Philly only has two games this week coming up. So get rid mm-hmm. of them, drop yep. them, get yep. them off your roster and pick up somebody else, right? That has uh, games on some of the off days, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Kevin Hayes, whatever. I don't know. Um, another uh, pickup that uh, one of the top ads was Dominic Kubalik. And this one I do like a lot more, especially after tonight. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he played tonight. He had a goal and two assists, six shots on goal, three hits, 15 minutes. Um, that's a nice game, you know. And um, with uh, Tyler Bertuzzi going down for four to six weeks, Kubalik has been thrust into a top line role with Lucas Raymond, Dylan Larkin. That's a nice deployment, right? Uh, yep. And he's top power play as well. So, and he's only playing 15 minutes with that deployment. So this, this to me seems like there could be some, um, like regression forward, right? Like what if he gets 17 minutes? What if he gets 18 minutes? Right. Uh, he's clearly an offensive player. He, he's done it before. Right. Um, and his numbers are, um, yeah, they're, 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 they're showing pretty good. They're higher than, um, you know, what, what he has done in the past. Right. So, I mean, he's got, sorry, I did pull up his numbers here. So yeah, shots per 60, 11.19. That's highest that he's ever had right now. Mm -hmm. He's obviously shooting crazy. He's shooting 21.5%, you know, but uh, um, his scoring chances for 9.59. It's all the numbers are good, right? And he's he's just going to get more opportunity. Um, So I like that at a lot. He's only 18% rostered. I think by tomorrow, you're going to see him like 36% rostered, some 40% rostered. He's going to be one of the top ads after today so i don't know what your thoughts are on kubalik 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I think Kubalik is definitely trending in the right direction. I think the fact that he only got 15.04 in this game here tonight is probably just more about the fact that uh, Detroit was up in the game and uh, they could just roll lines after a certain point. But yeah, six shots, like four individual scoring chances for in this game, even mm-hmm. threw three hits in for good measure, had the three points. Like, um, Yeah, as long as Bertuzzi's out, I think Kubelik is going to be somebody to roster. I do like Detroit a lot. I think they've mm-hmm. got... Um, They've got offensive depth, which is, which is something that's really underrated um, because what it does is even if... Um, so for the instance of Larkin and Raymond, like you think Bertuzzi, if Bertuzzi had gotten injured last year or even like think about the games where Bertuzzi couldn't travel to Canada for those games last year uh, because of his vaccination status, um, then Larkin and Raymond take a huge hit because the guy coming up to play on that top line is just not a top six even right. caliber player in the NHL. But here they've got Kubalik, and Kubalik is playing at that level currently. We'll see if he can sustain it. Early returns are good. Um, but having that offensive depth just raises the tide uh, for basically everybody because it kind of builds in that safety that even if things go sideways, um, it's not going to be too big of a hit. So I really like Detroit and all those, those players there. Um, definitely Kubalik if he's available, definitely worth checking out. Uh, I forget what uh, Detroit's schedule is like this week. I yeah, don't think it's I just looked at it. But... No, yeah, it's all in the all in the busy days. So sure. yeah, you got to have a spot for Kubalik if you're going to stream him in, right? Sure. Although you don't want him sitting on your bench, but yeah, if he's going to sit on your bench, then maybe look elsewhere. But if you are going to be able to factor him in uh, for your actual team, like this is looking like a a real potential. Uh, breakout player at least for the next month or so so i'd be willing to take a chance on kubali let's take a chance let's have some fun (laughs) um cool and then uh so we did talk about comrie a little bit i did want to draw some attention to uh mackenzie blackwood mac black um (laughs) yeah uh yeah and i'll get a sound drop there uh you know jack black (laughs) something or other um but anyways yeah um, the interesting thing about Blackwood is, so we talked about the goalie situation sort of clearing up in Buffalo. It's cleared up in New Jersey to some degree as well, right? Blackwood's sort of taking the reins there over Vitek Vanacek, but it feels like people are a little slower getting to it, right? Um, I mean, not much slower, but Comrie is, the is is I think he's like 25% rostered or 23%, and, and Blackwood's still at like, you know, um, or no, so yeah, Comrie's 23, yeah, Blackwood's at 13, so yeah. I mean, he's there. I, I picked up Blackwood in two leagues um, where I was hurting for goalies, and and he, he's playing well. And we've talked about the Devils like at length, so we know that they're underachieving offensively, but all the numbers are trending towards they're going to start dominating teams potentially, right? Mm-hmm. And so you that's yeah, you want a goalie um, on a team that's dominating teams. And if I had to choose between Blackwood and Comrie, I would choose Blackwood. Yep. Um, yeah, hundred percent of the time, just because of the team they're in front of, right? So I don't know what your thoughts are on Blackwood, but but I, I like him. I picked him up a couple spots here. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely there. Um, I posted uh, for the the patrons uh, of Apples and Genos, uh, the Patreon that I alluded to earlier. Um, I posted uh, kind of my long-term plans at goalie, and Blackwood has, was at the top of that list. Um, Blackwood is someone that I'm pretty interested in, three games in a row, similar to Comrie. But um, yeah, kind of... Unlike over in Buffalo, um, you have the potential that the Devils are the real deal here. Um, so I think uh, this week they get those four games. Uh, the games are kind of spread out, so I think we're going to probably see three games of Blackwood again. Uh, we, 
uh, Josh posted in the article on Apples and Genos on the website. Uh, our buddy Josh Hutchinson posted his Zero G article, and he says they're facing Washington, Detroit, Colorado, and Columbus. Um, I'd be very interested to see what he does because those are um, Detroit is a better team, I think, than most people are realizing um, this early in the season. Obviously, Washington, a veteran team that can put the puck in the net when the things are right, and Colorado, we know what Colorado is, and then Columbus uh, might be the weak link in that group of uh, that group of four. But overall, I think uh, Blackwood should definitely get some quality opponents, um, and we'll see what the Devils are made of, and we'll see what he's made of this week. That's right. Let's test his metal. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, hopefully this week he does well, but because I picked him up in two, uh, two leagues here, he's probably getting it shelled. So <laughs> yeah, pro tip, but that's fine. Um, yeah. Th- so those were the ads that I sort of brought to the table. Um, do you want to talk about the drops as well? We have some top yep. drops that we did. Yeah. Let's get so, it. Yeah. There's some interesting ones. Um, Gabe Velarde was the top dropped player, uh, in Yahoo today. What? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't quite understand that. I'm not sure what the thought is there. Um, I tried to delve in a little bit further. Um, I can see. So he has, uh, Gabe Velarde has seven points in seven games, four goals, three assists. Uh, he's averaging three, three minutes and 42 seconds on the power play, 15 shots, three blocks, three hits, r- regular stuff. But, you know, he's getting top uh, power play deployment um, yeah. with uh, LA. So, um, yeah, I, I don't understand the drop. I'm not sure the rush to drop him either and, and at such a, a high level, right? So I look at his game logs. The last two games, yeah, they don't read very well. So, you know, he's averaging, uh, what is he averaging? Yeah, as I said, 15 minutes and, and 51 seconds uh, time on ice. So the last two games, uh, the first one was 15.55. His, his last game was 13.32. So maybe people were like, oh, he's, you know, maybe they're changing his level of deployment or whatever, um, you know, but I, I still don't get it. He was minus two in that game as well. So I don't know. I didn't see the game, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. You're, why are you dropping Gabe Velarde? It, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, I think Velarde is someone that I'm interested in holding as long as A, there's a spot for him in my everyday lineup. And then uh, B, as long as he's on that top power play. So I do think Velarde is, you know, he's he's in that kind of cusp area where if you need a streamer spot and he's not going to yep. be playing for you on those heavy nights, I think LA only plays on heavy nights this week. That's right. Um, so Velarde is kind of in that range where you could be thinking about dropping him, but it is kind of surprising um, to see him just get kicked to the curb so suddenly after he was like a hottest player in the league through the first uh, five games here. Yeah, it's really, what have you done for me lately? I mean, jeez, <laughs> he got seven points in seven games. What do you want? <laughs> uh, you know, um, and he looks good too. I, I actually like, uh, I've watched a, a little bit of the highlights of the Kings games and I like Velarde. I think he's going to have a nice career. Um, I don't know. Did you, pro- did you project anything for Velarde this year or was he on your radar? Um, I don't think I had a projection on Velarde. I traditionally stick to what I think will be the top six and the top power play. And I didn't mm. think Velarde was going to open on the top power play. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I know for a fact that Velarde's advanced stats uh, have not been terrific uh, through the early part of his career. Um, he's kind of had one big game this year, uh, advanced stat wise, and then the rest mm. have been fairly mediocre. Um, so yeah, it, it might be a case where he just kind of trends down and they try somebody else soon. Maybe Arthur Kaliev. Kaliev, let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think uh, 
just after two games where he doesn't have a point, I don't know if that's the right time to pull the trigger. Um, unless, yeah, he's going to be a guy who's going to be riding your bench anyway, and you're just trying to turn that into a player who's going to play on off nights for you. Yeah. I don't know. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, he is on that cusp. So dropping is not like the worst thing. It's not going to kill your team or lose your league, but I don't know. There's, there's no one else. Like he's, this guy's actually producing at this point, you know, and uh, besides last game, he's getting primo power play time. So I don't know. Interesting, interesting decision. Um, The next guy on the list is someone we talked about already a little bit, so we don't have to delve too much, but Kuzmenko um, Mm -hmm. is being dropped. Like, you know, everybody hates him. (laughs) <laughs> it's terrible big koozie come on we already yeah. talked about it but you got to hold kuzmenko i don't i don't agree with the drop um you know the canucks are just in a bad place right now there's only one place to go and it's up and kuzmenko's numbers kind of show that he's already there he just needs to start converting just like the rest of the canucks i, I don't see why that wouldn't happen so again he you know you could say kuzmenko's on the cusp as well sort of what you said there um but I don't know, you got to think about those kind of things. Like I think Kuzmenko has a pretty high ceiling actually to, to just drop him like this. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. 18 and a half minutes, the last game, like um, I'm just willing to take that bet um, most times. Um, yeah. Probably a guy who's towards the cusp of your lineup. And I know, uh, especially early in the early in the season, everybody's got an itchy trigger finger, so they th- see three straight games without a point, and uh, they're ready to move on. But I do think yep. the points are coming for Kuzmenko. Yeah, and they got two off off game uh, uh, off night games this week. So three games, but two of them are off nights. So you know you can get some value out of Kuzmenko, right? So the, yep. I would say keep Kuzmenko over Velarde. Really, um, mm-hmm. if I had to choose, you know, I would yep. keep Kuzmenko over Velarde. So for sure, my two cents. Um, and then the last one I wanted to just bring up because I think it's insane is Tyson Berry is being dropped in leagues. Why? Mm-hmm. T- like what? I mean, he's sixty three percent rostered, but he was like the fourth or fifth uh, most dropped uh, player uh, in the league today, and and it just doesn't make sense to me because nothing's changed for Tyson Berry. He's right. he's still like like we talked about. You know, he, he's getting uh, you know under twenty minutes a night. I think, yeah, 19 minutes, 39 seconds is his average time on ice. But he's playing on the top power play with two best players in the world. So, you know, and he's, yeah, right now he's averaging three minutes and 15 seconds on the power play with those players. Right. So, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and then I delved a little deeper and I wanted to look at Evan uh, Evan Bouchard as well. Bouchard is rostered in 84% of leagues and Barry is 63. That That should be reversed. Like, yeah, you know, I first up. Well, Barry's not going to give you any perifs for a defenseman. That that is disappointing, right? He's he's giving you nothing there. But I don't think that's why you drafted him, right? You drafted him mm-hmm. for the power play production, um, you know, and and points. And I think he's still on on par to do that. He hasn't had a great start, two assists in five games, but you know, it's coming. It, it's yeah. it's definitely coming. I think he's he's got forty points in him for sure, with like probably twenty power play points. Like yeah. you know, that's why you drafted him. So why yeah, I are think people this is a, still on Evan Bouchard? Yeah, I think this is a classic case of uh, just those those uh, kinds of defensemen we talked about earlier with Addison, um, where they don't have the peripherals. So if they're not putting points up on the board, they get dropped really quickly, or people freak out about them. Um, and you have to understand that, like we're talking about a, a defenseman who's not going to score you like seventy points. So you can't expect him to score a point in right. every game. That's yep. just not how it goes. Um, 
So if you're going to freak out over, you know, <laughs> a couple games here or there where he doesn't get a point, then you just probably shouldn't be rostering this kind of defenseman because you're never going to get the value for him. You're going to end up dropping him when you shouldn't. Um, yep. So if that's if that's you, then just don't draft these kinds of guys, I would say, um, yep. because you're just going to get disappointed with them at some point in the year, whether it's early on or whether it's later, and you're going to move on. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I haven't seen any inclination from them to move on to Bouchard yet. Obviously, Bouchard has much higher upside for fantasy, Right. Because he does do a lot of those peripheral things, and we think he might even be better than Barry at that top power play job at this point in both their careers. Um, but yeah, until it happens, uh, I'm I'm certainly not going to sit here and tell you I think it's going to happen next week or it's going to happen in uh, two months. I have no idea. So uh, in the meantime, I'm I'm still happy to have Barry on a team. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, it's a little crazy to be dropping him if you drafted him, uh, you know, like 10 days ago or 14 yeah, days ago. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you, you think everything's changed. Yeah, this show ain't no good. Get out of here, Tyson Berry. Please don't <laughs> drop Tyson Berry, okay? You can you can have him and Evan Bouchard, all right? That's nice. But don't drop him, all right? Don't do that. All right. Well, that's all we've got for this episode. Hopefully brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. All the advanced stats you heard today came from naturalstattrick.com, which is a terrific free resource. You should go check that out. Many thanks, as always, to the band there there for supplying the music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify as well in the show description. And that's it, folks. Much love. Take care.